Hello, friends. This is Derek Kistner, founder and executive director of the Greater Peoria House of Prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Whether you're hearing from me, my wife Mandy, or a trusted leader, it's my hope that it would serve you well in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you're listening at home here in central Illinois, maybe in your vehicle, or even somewhere on the other side of the world. However you're tuning in or wherever you are, it's my prayer that what you hear helps you to love God, His Word, His Spirit, His Church, and the people you interact with each and every day. Thanks again for listening, and may the grace of God fill your heart as you listen to the following message. So Jesus, we just come before you tonight, and we just thank you so much for this opportunity to come and gather together and to fix your eyes on you. And we pray that you would speak to our hearts from the word of God, that you would speak something to each of us, that you would highlight something, that you would share your heart with us tonight, God. We just, we're here for you tonight, Jesus. We fix our eyes on you, and we thank you for your unfailing love for us. We ask that we would be changed and made more like you, God, that you would um, take away all the cares in our hearts, all the, the fears, the pressures, that you would just give us your peace tonight and pour your love, O oh God. We ask for you to continue to send your spirit over this nation. We ask for revival and we ask for an opening of eyes that many would become believers in Christ. We thank you again for tonight. Have your way in Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys. So I'm going to be sharing today on, the title is going to be Pray and Praise Your Way Through Trials. And I thought it would be fitting because I feel like 2020 is just a, has been pretty much a big trial for the whole world, Right? And, you know, obviously trials and battles happen all the time. You know, we, we, uh, we go through battles and there's sometimes a resting period and then we go through another battle or trial. And um, the best kind of analogy I can give you guys, I was just thinking of this, I love the ocean and I love swimming in the ocean. I haven't been swimming in the ocean for two years, but it's just, I just feel the Lord when I'm in the ocean swimming. So two years ago when I was out there swimming, I just remember there was just one day was just so peaceful and so beautiful. And I just felt like God's love and his warmth. And just like here I am, just this little tiny person in the middle of the ocean and God notices me like, who am I, Lord? You know, the next day I go out and I can't even hardly get up to my knees or, or waistline before I'm just completely knocked over on my face, sand everywhere. So I'm reminded of, wow, God, you are powerful. You truly are in control. Like you are mighty. And I just feel like that's kind of what 2020 has been like, you know, like the, we're kind of uh, all in the sand in our faces, but sometimes God does that to cause us to see like he is truly in control. He is powerful. He's mighty. He's full of love too. And so I want to equip you guys um, just with two essential weapons for going through battle and when trials come into our lives. And those two essential weapons are prayer and praise. So Psalm 23, 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So God never intends us to stay in the valley. It says, when I walk through, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. So 
He wants us to walk through this trial, whatever we're going through, and he wants us to be victorious and realize, you know, Psalm, Psalm 23, that he is with us. So um, I'm going to share with you guys a dream that I had that hopefully will make the, I'm going to talk about prayer first, hopefully make the prayer side of it kind of more real. And I shared with this with Hannah during discipleship uh, this past week. But I wanted to share it with you guys because it's just been on my heart and I think God has a lot to speak through it. So in my dream, I was in this room with Derek and there was this other man in the room and this man's name was Depression. And he was trying to follow after Derek and get his attention, but Derek wasn't like paying attention to him. I don't think he even knew he was in the room really. And I'm like, Derek, why aren't you talking to him? I didn't realize at the time who this man was. So when I came up to him, I realized that his name was depression. I'm like, oh. So I was like, I don't want this in here. So I just started beating him up just with all my might and strength and just trying to get him to budge. And he was just standing there with his arms down, this little smirk on his face, like, you're not doing anything to me. And then the verse dropped in my spirit. It was a verse that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And when that verse dropped in my spirit, I knew at that moment that prayer was the only thing that was going to defeat this enemy. So I reached out my hand and I just started praying in tongues over this spirit, over this man. And I just started praying. I said, Lord, I ask that you would break the spirit of depression, release your light, release your joy, release your truth. And as I was just going for it in prayer, I felt this man getting smaller and smaller. And I remember that last moment when he was about to vanish, I just remember feeling it, like just really pressing in, especially on that, that moment in time. And as soon as he vanished, the presence of, of God just filled the room, the presence of joy. And people started pouring into this room where I was, and people were just dancing and worshiping and praising God. And so I just realized, you know, from my dream that the enemy will try to come against us, whether it's depression, oppression, whether it's whatever we're going through, fear, anxiety, every, everything. I mean, the enemy can, can uh, get us discouraged and he operates in all different kinds of things. But when we notice that enemy in our lives, we just have to resist the enemy and know that there is power in our prayers. And even Ephesians 6 uh, let's see. Yeah, Ephesians 6 is the, you know, you guys know the the armor of God passage. And like I said in verse 12, this is what the verse was that was in my dream. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And then verse 18, it talks about, this is also in the armor of God passage. Now prayer is it necessarily one of the, it's not given a necessarily like an armor term, but it's in this armor of God passage. It says in verse 18, praying always with all sub- prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So we know that prayer is a powerful tool when we're in a battle and, um, and we're believing for the enemy to be resisted and to be you know, brought down. We need to go to that place of prayer. St. Augustine says, this is a really cool quote I heard the other day, without God, we can't. Without us, he won't. Let that sink in. Without God, we can't. Without us, he won't. That, that like little phrase has just been messing with me in a good way. 
because obviously we can't do anything without God. And he has chosen us in partnership to pray and to see his kingdom released into the earth. So without us, he won't. Without us, he, ne- he won't necessarily break in and you know, preach the gospel to people. And, but he uses us, weak people, to partner with his heart, to see prayer change things, and to see his kingdom advanced. I just think that's so amazing. And the power of prayer is not re- in, the, you know, in the, the results of the person praying, but it's really the power resides in the person we're praying to, right? So we need to always remember that. And prayer, too, it takes faith to pray. And, you know, faith comes from hearing the word of God. And when we get into the word of God, that's how we develop our faith. And when we have faith in prayer, that motivates us to pray. When we, and then when we pray, we will see answers to prayer, which will cause us to want to keep on praying. Does that make sense? There's like the cycle. So we, first of all, need faith to pray. We need to believe that prayer works. And then the way to believe prayer works is, first of all, through the word of God, just believing it, reading the word, reading how many, how many scriptures and passages are about how God broke in because of, the, of prayers. And when we believe it, we will pray, and then we will get our answers to prayer, and then it will just be like this holy addiction, like we've got to keep coming to God, like he's a God that really does hear us, and he answers us, and he delights in us when we pray. And so my goal here tonight is hopefully speak the word over you guys and inspire you guys to get into the word and to see the power of it for yourself, the power of prayer for yourself. Kind of going along those lines, Psalm 116, I'm going to turn there. Verses 1 to 2 says, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications, because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call upon him as long as I live. I think this verse, these verses are so powerful because these verses are the keys to producing lifelong intercessors. So if you guys want to be a lifelong intercessor, and if I want to be a lifelong intercessor, if I, want, if I want to motivate others, including my kids, to be lifelong intercessors, this has the kind of the key. I'm going to try to communicate with you guys. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplication. Because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call upon him as long as I live. So King David here realized that because God has inclined his ear to him, because God has heard his prayers, he, King David, will call upon God as long as he lives. That is a lifelong intercessor right there. He had a revelation because God really does answer my prayers and he hears me. Like, I'm going, I'm convinced in this. I'm going to keep calling, um, on, calling upon God as long as I live for the rest of my life. I'm going to keep doing it. Because I know as Christians, including myself, I can kind of get real passionate about prayer for a while and kind of, oh, this is really hard work. And But... Let's just keep staying the course. Let's, let's get a heart like King David did who really understood how um, that God really did, does listen and he responds and he's so good to us. And my uh, son Caleb, the other night, I was just talking to him right before bed and we were just talking about God and heaven and sometimes that concept, especially when you're 11, it's, it's, he's starting to realize like that's a really huge concept, God. Like I can't see him. This is massive. Like, 
And so he's starting to process things. And so he said to me, Mom, it's kind of sometimes hard to believe that God is real. Then he said, but I know he is real because of all the prayers he has answered. And then he goes off listing a bunch of prayers that he has, that God has answered in his life. And I'm just like, oh, that is so good. This, what you're saying is basically this verse right here. He is going to be a lifelong intercessor by the grace of God because as a young little boy, he's seen answers to prayers that might just seem trivial or might seem like silly getting toys and a Nintendo switch and Legos and like things like, like that, like my mom letting me go to a party and things like that. that He's praying about secretly. And then, and then that happens. He's like, wow, like God, you're real. And, uh, so he's convinced of it. So, you know, my, my desire is just to get my kids in the, in the house of the Lord, the house of prayer, so they can really see that God really does take notice of their prayers. And he delights in that. So, also, uh, Acts 16, 16, feel free to turn there if you want. I never noticed this before, this verse, until a couple weeks ago I was reading here, but you guys know that there is a real battle when it comes to even getting into the place of prayer sometimes. Sometimes it feels like prayer, like you get discouraged or something happens and you don't want to pray or whatever. Sometimes there's a real legit battle that's happening. And sometimes that battle is just realizing there is a battle just to first of all, get into that place of prayer. So Acts 16, 16 says, now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. So here's Paul and Silas. And that it says, as we went to prayer, <laughs> as they're going to prayer, there's this girl possessed by a spirit of divination. So she obviously has some kind of demonic spirit inside of her. And you can tell if you read on, um, she was quite annoying. Verse 18, it talks about Paul saying how he's greatly annoyed and he cast out this, the demon from her. And we just need to, to realize that you know, that there's a battle, first of all, in just getting to that place of prayer because the enemy knows the power of prayer. He wants to distract us from that place of prayer and he'll do whatever it takes sometime to really distract us from it, from going to God. So also, um, I'm going to turn to second Chronicles 20 verse three. I love Second Chronicles. I was just meditating on this chapter this week, so I'm not going to read the whole chapter tonight, but you guys should sometime this week if you remember. It's really good. So Second uh, Chronicles, this talks about, okay, so Moab, Ammon, and Mount Seir, they're coming against King Jehoshaphat, and he was the king of Judah at the time. And... Um, so there was news that was brought to Jeho- King Jehoshaphat's attention that these nations are coming against him. And uh, verse three, I'm going to start right there. It says, and Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. I love King Jehoshaphat's response because here there's, a, there's these people coming against him in battle, physical battle, 
And what does he do? He sets himself to seek the Lord. I was just trying to put myself in his position. Like if I was told that there was going to be a battle in our city and I, and you know, maybe if I was, especially if I was like living in a hut or like a tent or a teepee or something back then, like I would maybe want to stay in my house, but like they didn't have much protection in these probably like little towns that they live in. Um, I would probably pick my kids up, my valuables and just run. But it says that he didn't run from God. He ran to God. Fear, when you're afraid, that should, we should use that fear to motivate us to run to God, not away from him. And that's what Jehoshaphat did. He ran to God to seek the Lord. And he also proclaimed a fast, which when you fast, I just think it's interesting. Obviously, you get tired and weak and lethargic and blah. That's how I feel, you know? And so, like, here, battle is going to happen, and he's like, let's fast, guys. Like, that just seems counterintuitive, you know? Like, I would want to eat meat and, yeah, you know, <laughs> not fast. But that's what Je- King Jehoshaphat, he's like, let's fast, because he knew that that was, a, that was another key to seeing breakthrough in, in the trial or the battle that was coming. And then verse 4, so Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord and from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. So King Jehoshaphat's response to seek the Lord also motivated the cities around him to also go into that place of prayer and seek God, um, you know, from this trial that was going to come. Okay, in verse 9, I'm going to read that, uh, that verse 2. It says, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence for your name is in this temple and cry out in our affliction and you will hear and save. I love just his declaration of faith right there. Verse 12 is really powerful. Oh, our Lord, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. I feel like I need to say that more often. Lord, I do not know what to do, but my eyes are upon you. Because I feel like that's just a lot, lot of my life. Like, I don't know what to do. But like, what's, what's the response? My eyes are upon you. It's just King Jehoshaphat's desire here was just to be humble and realize like, God, like, I don't know what to do here. Like, help me. Like, my eyes are upon you. And that's what we really need to focus on when the battle comes our way is not the spirit of, of distraction or it's not, you know, the trial itself, but it's neat. we need to focus on the power of Jesus and his ability to fight our battles for us. Amen. Amen. So, you know, just also going along with that verse, just, you know, what are, what are some of your coping mechanisms? What are some things that you're turning to instead of turning to God um, you know, a lot of coping mechanisms I think are fine. They're good, but we need to obviously have Jesus as our first and foremost coping mechanism. When things like battles come our way, we need to turn to him first and foremost. And I'm going to, um, we're going to continue looking at this passage, but I'm going to pause here and we're going to transition into the praise elements of the power of, a uh, of like one of the, another essential weapon that we can use in the midst of our trials. So before I share more on um, King Jehoshaphat here, I'm going to share another dream also that I had. This was at the end of last year, I had this dream. And I think this hopefully will be helpful to you guys also. So um, in this dream, um, I was in my bed 
and there was this dark figure that comes that came into my room and this dark figure began to entangle himself in my feet and uh and just wind himself up in my feet and it was just like i remember having this this like immense amount of fear and panic and i'm trying again with all of my mind strength to get this person off my feet and i can't do it so i somehow managed to roll off my bed and stand on my feet and i began singing the song who knows mary j blige take the shackles off my feet song anyone okay so i started singing this chorus by Mary J. Blige, take the, I'm not a good singer, so I'm going to say it, or rap back and rap. Um, take the shackles off my feet so I can dance. I just want to praise you. I just want to praise you. And I just sang that chorus over and over again. And as I was singing that chorus, the enemy fled and just the joy of the Lord came into that room and just the presence of God like fell. And it was just like so amazing. And so I knew in that dream, obviously God was giving me another weapon to use when trials and the enemy comes against us and it is praise now i hadn't thought about mary j blige that song in like 15 years so it's not like i was listening to her right before bed i even had to like look her up and if you guys i would encourage you guys to actually look up that song and like look at the lyrics because they're really powerful i've never really thought about the lyrics other than you know other than the take the shackles off my feet but they're the lyrics are really good too um so you guys should look that look that up but but uh, I just think it's funny how God like use that use that song in my dream, um, and so you, you guys know you know Satan is an accuser. He's a liar. He wants to accuse us. Um, he wants to accuse God before us, and he wants to accuse us before God. And and the way to combat or come against that spirit of accusation is through worship and praise. Is through lifting up Jesus. Jesus's name. It's when we declare who God is into the atmosphere and when we really set our eyes on him, because it says in, I think, you know, Proverbs or Psalms, you guys probably know, it says that God is enthroned upon the praises of his people. Do you guys know that verse? He is enthroned. He actually comes down, is enthroned on praise. When we worship, he's actually here sitting, being with us when he is lifted up. So, I'm going to continue now in Second Chronicles because there's a part in here about praising the Lord in, in this trial that King Jehoshaphat's about to you know, enter into. And let's see here. Also, I'm going to read uh, verse 15. There was this guy, Jehaziel, he um, this, said the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he prophesied. He spoke this word. He said in verse 15, he said, listen, all you Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because this great multitude for the battle is not yours, but God's. And then he goes on to say, basically, you guys are going to be victorious and, um, and you will not need to fight this battle, which I just... I want to look more into that. Like, do they not even fight at all? Do they just let worship do its work? So uh, it says that after he received this word, Jehoshaphat bowed his head with, with his face to the ground in all Judea and Jerusalem. They bowed before the Lord and they were, were worshiping God. So this is obviously a response of 
of faith. King Jehoshaphat believed this word that the battle was not theirs, but this battle was the Lord's. And so his response was, man, I'm just going to, you know, eat carpet and worship you. Like you are awesome God. So he believed the word and he worshiped that worship was a response of his faith. So sometimes it's hard. Like I know when I'm going through a trial, for instance, sometimes the last thing I want to do is like pray and praise God. I don't really want to turn on worship music. I'm just depressed or something happened. I'm just sad. But there really is power when we fight that temptation just to like, just sulk. But when we, when we instead focus on God, like we can worship, you know, we can worship, but not think about our problem. You know, we can, when we worship, we can think about who God is and his power and his greatness and that. And when we do that, that's when, um, the breakthrough happens and that's when he is enthroned on our praises. So let's go ahead and jump down, uh, to 21 verse 21. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of his holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord sent ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. Love that. So as they were singing praise songs and worshiping the Lord, God, what did he do? He set ambushes against the people of Moab or Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. So like he sends these like sneak attacks. I don't know if these like angels behind bushes just come with like bows and arrows. I don't really know what this looks like, but apparently this, the worship like propelled God to like send these ambushes against the people that were coming against them, which I just love that. There, so a whole army was defeated when the Israelites simply praised the Lord and believed him when he said that the battle wasn't theirs, but was God's. So good. I'm encouraged right now. What about you? Okay. <laughs> All right. Job, let's turn to Job 1. A couple more little uh, verses for you guys before we close. Okay, so you guys all know the story of Job and what happened to him. He lost it all. Horrible circumstance that I'm just, I commend his, I commend him and like how he responded because I don't know if I would respond the same way. All right, so Job 1 verse 20 says, then when Job, Job arose, tore his robe and shaved his head and he fell to the ground and worshiped. And this is after all of the bad news happened um, that he lost pretty much everything he owned and all the people in his life that he loved dearly. He lost it all. So he, that's how he responded. He fell to the ground and worshiped. And he said, naked, I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. So, this is how he responds when he loses everything. When he's in the biggest trial of his life, he worships. Wow. And I think it's interesting in how he worshiped because, um, you know, he doesn't do like the normal worship song, but he says, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return there. And so he is, first of all, recognizing that 
he is pretty much nothing without God. Like he has returned to this life. He has come into this life naked. He has nothing to give. He is basically God is the one that has given him everything. And he's going to leave this life naked. He's just this heart of humility, realizing that, you know, there's no goodness inside of him. And then he says, the Lord gave and, and the Lord has taken away. And he, he realized that God is a God that gives everything to him. And he had a lot. God had gave him a lot. But one moment, like he took it all away and he didn't get offended and bitter at God, but he chose to say, blessed be your name, God. And I feel like sometimes as Christians, even myself included, we can have this entitlement mentality and we can think that we deserve this, this, and this because we're quote good people or we pray or whatever, but really like we don't deserve anything from the Lord and his response you know, just challenges me because he remained unoffended. You know, if, if some people, if this happened to some other people, um, probably myself, myself included, definitely. I'd be like, why'd you do this? God, you know, I've served you, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? But that's not what Job did. He just, he just blessed God's name and he just said, God, you give and take away. And so I know I want to praise God in the midst of trials, no matter what happens with a heart that remains unoffended to him towards him. So that's just my, my prayer. God, I want to, I want to keep my heart unoffended. And you know, though it says in the new Testament, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. And, um, I love the verse two that he who endures the end shall be saved. And there's this like endurance, there's, there's trials and there's things that are going to happen. It's easy to stay, stay Christian and to love God for a season. But then when trials and things happen to you, are you really going to endure to the end? Are you really going to endure, you know, when, when the, um, when the persecution starts and the bulls, trumpets, seals, all this stuff happens in the end times, like, are we really going to endure? Because we need to learn some of these, these, uh, we need to learn the stuff from Job and how he responded. So, Let's, let's endure by the grace of God and not be offended when things don't go our way. All right. Psalm, or no, yeah, Psalm 149. It's my last verse, I think. Okay, verses six and seven. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and the two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nation in punishment on the peoples to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron to execute judgment on the written judgment. And this is the honor, this honor have all that his saints praise the Lord. So it says, let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. Basically, praise right here is being described as an act of spiritual warfare. And David prophesied basically that when you praise God, it's like you're um, causing the Lord to be released to do spiritual warfare in the atmosphere. And so there really is this dynamic that we don't even realize. I know I don't realize because I live here on earth, but there's so much going on in in the heavenlies and the atmosphere around us that I don't, I just am so clueless about, but really when we praise God, there's so much that happens. And, you know, just demons are bound and angels are released that we just don't even have a clue about. And I really want to see it. I think God can, God shows us sometimes, I think, um, or, or makes us sense it, you know, but I want to see more of that Lord. 
Amen. Um, okay. So I also have one little story I'm going to share with you guys. Uh, I, I was just telling these ladies, but I really love going on runs in the cemetery. We live right. Our house is right, um, behind a cemetery. And so I'll just jump the fence and go on runs. And like, that's where I feel like the Lord's presence a lot. And so I remember this one afternoon I was running and I was listening to, uh, Waymaker. You guys all know that song, right? Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. So I was listening to the song and as I was listening to it and just declaring God's nature over battles in my own life, things that I'm going through, things that I'm believing for prayer, like prayers I'm, I'm just contending for, you know, I'm just, I'm just thinking and mulling over all these things that I'm, I'm thinking about. And I'm just, just declaring that as I'm running, just God, you are the way maker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, uh, miracle worker. You know, that is who you are. I'm just declaring this. And as I'm running and declaring this, I just, the Lord caused me just to see this little picture in my, in my mind. And it was this picture of God up in heaven on his throne and a line of angels are right in front of him. And as I am worshiping and declaring who God is, Jesus is saying to these angels, he's saying, go, go. And he's pointing to him, you go, go. And I just was like, oh, it's so good. Because then I, I saw too the angels' faces when God would say go to these angels, they were just lit up. Like they were so excited. It's like, yes, like this is what I was made for, you know? And so I didn't even, I haven't even never thought of that before, what angels feel like when they're released to intervene into the, you know, into the atmosphere of this world, you know, how excited they must be. But I just was like, I'm just so grateful that the Lord gave me this little image because as I'm just worshiping, um, I believe, you know, as we're worshiping, I believe that angels are truly released and God is sending them down to heaven to intervene and to bring forth, bring forth life and freedom and joy and, you know, breaking off all kinds of depression and anxiety off of people. And so, you know, my exhortation to us is let's continue to be those that pray and press into God and, um, and praise the Lord in our trials and like I, like both of my dreams too, um, after when I was in the trial, after the trial lifted, after I fought through prayer in the first dream and praise in the second dream, the presence of, of the Lord came into the room and Psalm 16 says, in your presence is a fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. It's a verse 11, Psalm 1611. And really joy is in his presence and freedom and life. And so in his presence is the fullness of joy. And so let's, let's be encouraged that yes, there's battles and trials that God is, that we're going to go through, but there's victory on the other side. He wants us to experience the Psalm 16 when we're in his presence and that there's joy that he wants to give to us. And he wants us to persevere and, and get through those trials because he has more in store for us. Like Job, there was so much more in store for him after he, he was, you know, he had this trial that he went through. God gave him so much more than he could ever like imagine, I'm sure. And so just know that there's more in store for you. If you, if you go through your trial or your battle strong, like God is going to bless you even more than you have, than you were before. All right. So I'm going to pray over us and then we'll close.
All right. Father, we just thank you, God, for who you are, Lord. We thank you for these powerful weapons that you have shown us through your scripture. We thank you for the power of prayer, the power of praise. And we ask that you would equip us in this room and uh, the church worldwide to use these weapons that you have given us when we are faced with a trial, when we are discouraged, oppressed, when there's anxiety or fear in our hearts, that we'd use these weapons of prayer and praise and that we would see breakthrough happen, that we would we might not sense it right in the moment, but that we would keep on going. We'd keep on praying and worshiping no matter what happens, that we would continue to bless the name of the Lord. We would lift your name on high. I pray for grace to focus on you and not on the trial or the the tribulation that we're going through, but we would have our eyes and our focus on you, Jesus. We just thank you that the battles that we go through are yours and you're with us fighting these battles, God. And we just pray for you to open our eyes to even see the power of our prayers, that when we when we pray that you hear us and when we worship, you send forth angels to intervene into our lives and the lives around us. And we just thank you for that. And we just pray tonight that you would equip us as lifelong intercessors and as lifelong worshipers for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. For more messages like this one, please visit our online teaching library at gphop.org teachings. If you found this free material helpful in your walk with God, please prayerfully consider a generous donation. To give, please visit gphop.org donate. That's gphop.org donate. Thank you, and may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you today.